guys. Today for our Down to Business segment, we have Jeff Harry joining us today. Jeff Harry shows individuals and companies how to tap into their true selves to feel their happiest and most fulfilled all by playing. Jeff has worked with Google, Microsoft, Southwest Airlines, Adobe, the NFL, Amazon, and Facebook, helping their staff to infuse more play into their day-to-day. This is so interesting because I was in the clubhouse room about play last night, so I can't wait for this conversation. Yeah. Um, So you are also an international speaker. Um, You've been at Southwest South by Southwest, Inbound, and Australia's Paws Fest. Okay. Want to hear a little bit more about that. And um, so basically you work in HR, just like Anessa and I. So let's start with your early beginnings. Like what was your childhood like? What kind of steers you into this direction? And why is play so important? Sure. So uh, my dad's from the... Uh, Caribbean island of St. Vincent uh, off the coast of Barbados. Mm -hmm. And my mom's from the Philippines. Um, And when I saw the movie uh, Big as a kid, I don't know, with Tom Hanks, did y'all ever see that movie? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as I saw it, he was like, he was, he was playing with toys for a living. So I started writing toy companies in third grade. And then I just did not stop for like 15 years until I was in the toy industry. And I, I don't know if you've ever gotten something that you thought you always wanted. And when you get there, you're so disappointed. Yeah. But that's exactly what happened. Like no play, no fun, no joy. I felt like they were selling like socks, you know, instead of toys. Uh, so I left New York, came to the Bay Area, bumped into an organization that was only seven people at the time teaching kids engineering with Lego. But they were playing for a living. So then I just kind of helped them for like the next 15 years and we grew it into like the largest Lego inspired like STEM organization in the US. But the whole time we were doing, we were just making up as we go along. We were just playing. We were just experimenting. You know, we hired people just because we thought they were fun. You know, we picked cities because we just thought they were fun. We, you know, we did, we had no business plan. Um, but because it grew so large, um, Facebook, Google, all the tech companies in the Bay started to pay attention to us, asked us if we do team building events. And we were like, yeah, of course. And then we were, I ran team building events for like some of the top companies for the next like 10 years. And what I realized was at the same time that they all spoke about disruption and agile and innovation and all these buzzwords, they had not created psychologically safe spaces for people to actually play and take risks. So I created Rediscover Your Play as a way to navigate really hard conversations, like how to deal with toxicity at work, how to talk about race at work, how to deal with office politics, how to have hard conversations, all that using positive psychology in play. That's awesome. So, um, you know, it can be hard trying to create a cohesive team mm-hmm. <laughs> of different people with different backgrounds, you know, when, when you're at work. So w- when you were, on your journey or during your journey now, what do you find is the most challenging thing about, you know, teams and how to make them work? I think uh, it, it starts from the top. It's just like how much effort are we putting in to have a certain level of shared humanity for our staff? 
Like, how much do we care about our staff? Like, and not just talking about it, right? Like actually showing it. You know, how many team leaders right now are, are reaching out to their staff right now and being like, what is the work that you love to do most? Oh, that's your flow work. That's your red thread work. How do I help you do a little bit more of that work? Because it would actually have a ripple effect on all the other work that you do. How many, how many team leaders right now are asking their staff how they're doing? You know, it's been like now nine months, you know, maybe even longer. Um, you know, how are they, what's, what's their mental health is like? Are we actually even having those conversations or are we being really close to the vest because we don't know what's happening next? So, you know, we're being very careful. Well, I like one of the things you said about using play to speak with people at our jobs um, about certain issues like, you know, the black experience at work or mm-hmm. anything else that's going on. And the clubhouse room that I was in talking about it last night, we were talking about, you know, this recent black trauma of, you know, seeing mm. ourselves murdered in the streets and all the stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. And they were talking about incorporating play into our work life, just kind of losing yourself and becoming an inner child again. So can you explain to us why that's so important for, you know, us people of color to kind of tap into that inner childlike soul and, and how, and and, and also talk about the healing benefits, because I feel like a lot of people are like, I'm like 34. I'm not going to play. Like, so what does that look like for us and why should we do it? Well, I, first off, I just feel like most POCs already play so much already. Like we definitely embrace it more than, than our, our, I mean, come on, you know, just like even when we, we code switch, that's a form of, of a weird way of playing, right? Like my, like my argument when I'm saying this is like, we're already going in with like fake facades to work anyway. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't we just play and be like, I'm going to show up as me. Right. If, if anything, you know, just being able to not have to code switch as much, you know, when I'm working with a lot of businesses, you know, if you think about it, most companies, you never get to practice anything. You're constantly working. So, but it's funny that like the NFL is this weekend and, you know, they practice all week for a three hour game. We never get to practice hard conversations at all. So even a workshop I ran with my, uh, friend Tashawn, uh, back in like March for the HR virtual summit was called how to not be racist by accident at work. And, and the whole point of the workshop was to put, um, a lot of like Caucasian people in the shoes of us <laughs> and explain to them, like, this is what happens. This is, this is ha- what happens when we get dismissed. This is how we feel. This is what happens when we have to code. I switch. love that. So I think. <laughs> So I think we're already, we already are adapting and playing more, but if there's more important reasons why to play is, you know, Dr. Stuart Brown, the doctor of play says the opposite of play is not work. The opposite of play is depression. You know, our ability to adapt and be resilient. Like the reason why 2020 was so so tough on a lot of people, in addition to all the loss that we had, right, was that so many people had expectations of what they thought 2020 was going to be and expectations of the thief of joy. Like that is one of the things that adults do so well is get so results oriented and so fixated on one result that when it doesn't happen, they're so 
depressed. They put themselves through such suffering. But the people that were able to thrive more in 2020 were able to let go of that result, to let go of that expectation, to be able to experiment, to be able to fail, to just adapt and just be like, I don't know what's coming next, but I'm just going to roll with it because this has just been my life. you know. And I think a lot of not just black people, but just people of color in general have had to do that, mm-hmm. right? You know, all the time to the point that when something like this happened last week, we were just like, you know, it pisses me off. It, it's causing me trauma. And you know what? Not that surprising. Just not that surprising mm-hmm. <laughs> because like we've just had to adapt so much anyway. So basically play is just not being complacent, but learning how to navigate and not I don't want to say the word comfortable but just learning how to navigate with the chaos around you yeah, partly that I define play as any joyful act where you're fully present in the moment okay. where you forget about time where there is no purpose there is no result where you're like you know fully alive as Howard Thurman the you know the famous civil rights activist said like don't ask what the world needs ask what makes you come alive because what the world needs is for more people to come alive so when i see someone playing i see them alive when i see them nerding out on whatever it is they're passionate about that's their play like i remember i was talking to this phenomenal um black lawyer. And she was telling me, she was just like, look, I don't play. I don't have time to play. And then I was like, well, what do you do? And she goes, oh, well, I take people that hate each other and I get them to agree on one thing. And I was like, tell me more. And as she was telling me, I was like, she was getting so excited. I was like, that's your play. So it's it's a broad definition of that, right? I just wrote an article uh, for or contributed to an article for Mashable from Rebecca Rees. And it was all about how do we stop doom scrolling, you know, and spend more time playing because when we're doom scrolling, what we're really doing is we're just inundating ourselves with information that is telling us we're not enough, that is telling us that, you know, we should be somebody else. But when you allow yourself to actually get bored and listen to that inner child, that intuition, it's going to whisper something to you that is like magical, right? It's like what Will Smith of like the on the opposite side of fear is everything you've always wanted. That's where play exists where everything that you've always wanted is in that play realm. It almost sounds like, you know, tapping into your passion, what you love to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then yes. taking that and like running with that and just, you know, honing in on that totally. I love that. Right. And I feel like Elizabeth Gilbert says this, where some people don't know their passion or purpose and, and putting out so much pressure that we have to, you know, figure out our passion and purpose or take our hobbies, hobbies and monetize them. You know, I really like her suggestion of just like, just follow your curiosity, you know, get quiet, get bored, block out the noise for just a little bit. Um, and you can actually then start to hear that voice. That's going to whisper something to you that is both scary and exciting. And that is what you should follow, right? That's probably part of the reason why you started this podcast. This is why I like make my ridiculous, stupid TikTok videos. It's just like, we're just following our curiosity mm-hmm. because it's something that really piques our interest. Yeah. And when he's talking about sitting still and letting things come to you, that's meditation. Get into mm-hmm. it. Get into it. And how do you actually, and this could be a dumb question, but how do you get companies to, because when we're talking about this, I'm thinking about Dana and I's team and our company. I don't feel like they would have any interest Mm -hmm. in us. (laughs) And, you know, because like going back to what you said earlier, um, and we actually talked about this earlier on uh, last year 
um, in our show, just with our mental state, our team leads, our managers, our VPs, they're not reaching out to us and saying, hey, Dana, how are you doing today with seeing so many black people slain in the streets? You know, how are you coping with that? Yeah, I know you have twins and a one year old at home. You know, how are Mm. you coping with that? So how do you how do you guys get I mean, how do you guys get companies to um, find interest in that? Because I feel like that would be awesome for yeah for play at our companies but how do you get them to yeah so, I guess so, think so that com- it's a benefit company, to them yeah, yeah. and their employees right companies revolt when you mention the word play because it's yeah. not there's no roi value on it right but when you talk about flow when you talk about getting their staff into flow like maximizing their staff's productivity that's when they're in their flow you know when they're doing the work where they forget about time that is when they're doing their best work. And I always say this is like Steven Johnson says this quote, the future is where people are having the most fun. If you look at the organizations that or the companies that were doing the best in 2020, the TikToks, the Hulus, the Disney Pluses, people gravitate towards fun. Money gravitates towards, towards fun, right? You know, and, and if you look at an example of an organization like Google, where they allowed their staff, they do this 20% program where they give their staff a fifth of their time to pursue whatever they want as long as it helps Google out in some way. It's, and what has happened because of that is they've been able to develop Google Meet out of that project. Um, a Gmail came out of that. Billion-dollar ventures came out of uh, giving their staff the ability to be curious and follow their curiosity and actually play more in the workplace. Now, most companies can't be like, I don't have a fifth of the time that I can give my staff, but you can give them 5% more time. You can see, you can figure out ways in which you can help them to do the thing that they love to do more, you know, but then in addition to that, the, the, with the organization I run, Rediscover Your Play, a lot of what we do is we help teams navigate hard conversations using play. So we're actually addressing actual pain points, right? Where it's just like, let's help you navigate these really hard conversations. Let's help you deal with this toxicity at work problem that's costing you millions of dollars a year that you've been tiptoeing around. But we're going to use positive psychology and play in order to address this issue. And that's when it speaks to them. Man, that's wonderful. And I mean, I love the idea of it bringing people together because, uh, you know, there we're going to be working with all different types of people from all different types of backgrounds who see the world differently than we are. And we, we're working towards one common goal. So why not get along? Why not have these types of program? Even if there isn't any contention in the office, I could still see where this would be beneficial for all teams to do. Just in case there are some uncomfortable conversations that people want to start and they're not sure how to do that. We get people writing into this show all the time who have been literally living in racist hell for years at their jobs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. not they're the only black person there and they're scared Mm -hmm. to say something. So it's, this would be so beneficial. So what, well, I don't know. You can't, you probably can't tell us what types of companies that you work for, but um, is this something that is becoming somewhat of a norm, especially considering the times, or is this something that you're still trying to fight to get as part as a regular company, standard you know we have 
hard I, to find. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it's both, okay. right? Like I ran a dealing with toxicity at work. Oh, by the way, the, the name of the workshop I actually run, it's called dealing with a-holes at work through play. <laughs> like that's the name of the workshop. That's the workshop that my friend Gary Ware and I actually went to Australia to do, mm-hmm. right? Um, we were, I recently ran that with the Department of Homeland Security. Not that entire department's open to this, but a certain wing of it was, you know? So, I think it's not even sometimes about the company. It's about each team, you know, in each team leader is each team leader willing to now start to have these conversations. Other ones don't. They'd rather just keep it super awkward. <laughs> you know, I don't know how that helps, but like even in this virtual environment where we don't have to deal with as many office politics, there's still a lot of hard conversations we're not talking about. You know, how many, you know, people that are listening to this could not talk about what happened this week with their coworkers. And they just had to tamper it down and be like, let's get back to work, which is crazy right now, yeah. which is just unbelievable that we would even attempt to do that. Right. And then the amount of like text and Facebook messages and things that you were emailing other people to being like, I can't work. I, I just can't work right now. Like I mentally can't work. Right. So I think we have to address that. But I think something even more important that I've been talking about for a while now is like, you know, we have to also rethink how we're doing work, you know, especially like COVID. If, if, if one thing this has given us is an opportunity to rethink was normal, was normal working for anyone, right? Who was normal working for? Because Based off of all the studies, 85% of people are disengaged at work, meaning they're doing mediocre work at best, you know, most of the time, right? And also being that it's an eight-hour workday, studies have found now that people can only focus for three hours and 51 minutes of the day. Mm. So what, and then our, our, our workday is extended to 8.8 hours. So what in the world are we doing for five and a half hours? You know, we're doing wasteful meetings. We're doing work. How many reports do we make? that communicate the work that we're doing. Like we're making up work just to make up work, on, you know, right. to show that's that we're busy. Job. I swear, we that sure is. We, <laughs> and it's just like, what are we doing? Yeah, like, seriously. what are we doing? Like, what, why are we wasting all this time? Like Keynes, this economist said back in, you know, the thirties, by the time we reached the 1970s, we will only be working 15 hours a week. What he did not know, though, was that capitalism and consumerism would cause us to believe that we had to work more, you know? So, like, there's just, like, there's so many things that are wrong with how we're even doing work, and we're at work 2,500 hours a year. Our whole year is only around 8,100 hours. So why in the world would we not be focused on creating a psychologically safe space for people to actually feel joyful, fulfilled, be seen and actually be able to play at work. Yeah. Yeah. I love this. I think this is a fabulous idea. I feel like every company should have this. Um, I used to work at a company that they didn't, we, we didn't have play, but they had playrooms. <laughs> it's not the right. same thing. So this, no, it this is, oh, it, it is. 
No, it isn't. Oh, yeah, no, it isn't. Yeah, because, no, we, and what, and what's, what's interesting is like you can have ping pong tables and slides yeah. and again, all those posters on the wall. But if you don't, if you don't do or allow, allow people to actually be themselves, you know, like the way in which Tony Shea did at Zappos, where he would literally pay people $3,000 to leave. It was just like after like a month or something, if you don't, you know, if you don't feel like this is the right place, I'll give you $3,000 so you should leave, so you could leave. And then all the nerds or the weird people that like really resonated with him would stay, mm. you know? So like we have to actually back up the, what we claim like, Oh, you know, we want people to show up as their authentic self. Really? What does that look like? Do you yeah. really want to see? You don't want that. Do you really want to see all of me? Because, <laughs> because then let's show it through action because I'm, you know, I am a little, because I think a lot of people that are listening to this are like, I'm a little tentative about actually showing who I truly am at work because of perhaps the repercussions of that. Right. So I think we have, I think leaders have to look back and be like, what am I actually doing on a daily basis to create a psychologically safe work environment? Definitely. Um, Jeff, this is super awesome. As Dana said, I feel like all companies need to implement this, Mm -hmm. especially right now. This is a really, really good time. Um, to implement this with everything that's going on. We all need a little play in our lives. <laughs> so mm. if any of us want to, like if there are any, you know, companies listening or anybody that might be um, managers or leads at their own current companies, where can we find you to um, to get involved with this type of, with this play? And do we have to go sure. through our companies? Could we go through you personally? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, so, so you can go to rediscoveryourplay.com. And actually, when you arrive, there's a let's play button where, um, and you click that and there's a bunch of different like experiments that people can actually do either at their job to create more engagement and connect more with their staff. And I'll, I'll leave you with this. I think this is one of the really, uh, powerful play exercises that, that I tell people to do either with their colleagues if they feel comfortable enough or simply with their friends. Um, and one of my favorite ones is um, you call, you reach out to three to five of your closest friends and you ask them these two questions. What value do I bring to your life? And when have you seen me most alive? What value do I bring to your life mm-hmm. is about like, you know, how are we connected? Why are we friends? What do I do for you? Because I think a lot of times we forget. And then the other part is like, when have you seen me most alive means like, when have you seen me most present, most engaged, most my like myself, right? And when you get the answers back from those two powerful questions, not only do you receive all this love and appreciation, but you also see that people really do see you and you're reminded, oh, those are the ways in which I play. Oh, that's so interesting. Can I actually do that at work? Can, and you reach back out to your friends and be like, can you help me to figure this out? Either to play more at work or simply to play more outside of work so that I have the mental capacity to actually deal with work. So again, what value do I bring to your life? And what, when have you seen me most alive? Ask those questions from your friends and see what magic you're going to actually hear from me. I like that. Well, we've been getting people asking us to do a show about us. 
Oh, so, yeah, we're gonna bring play to the show so you guys can get, <laughs> get to know us a little bit better. But again, thank you so much, Jeff, for coming on and giving us some knowledge about play. I'm so glad I found myself in that room last night because I was like, okay, I get to learn more about this tomorrow. This sounds awesome. Every company out there should be doing that. And you have like other stuff on your site, not just this game or exercise, but there's others, right? So people can get to know. Oh yeah, there's plenty of them. Yeah, a lot of them around employee engagement, a lot of them around like, how are we having hard conversations, all that. Perfect. Awesome. Well, everybody go out and follow Jeff. Um, Of course, we're going to post on our social media um, and there'll be in the show notes where you can find him, how you can do play. Um, Thank you so much again for being on our show. Yes, thanks, Jeff. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right, guys. Well, so we really, really, really hope you enjoyed the show today. We are changing our show's format. So the next show you hear will not sound like this. It's still going to be Black at Work. We're still going to have our segments to mimic a work day. But the flow of the show is going to be so different. And it's all because of you guys. We accidentally put a poll out and asked y'all what y'all's favorite <laughs> Well, it wasn't a poll. That's why we had to take it down. But it was like a questionnaire. But it was supposed to have been a poll asking y'all what y'all's favorite segments of the show were. And we heard you loud and clear. And now we're evolving because you guys have evolved. So first of all, we want to thank Jeff for coming into the show today, dropping some gems and being, you know, one of our few last guests. Um, and we want to thank you guys for being our ever so faithful coworkers. The, the show is going to look different, but I promise to God, you guys will love it. What do you got to say, Nessa? Yes. Y'all are really going to love the show. We really are trying to take you guys this is your show at the end of the day pretty it's much our show but it's your show you know what i mean so this is where you guys also come to the stairwell to scream as well as us so we want to make sure that we are you know giving you guys what you want give, give the people what they want at the end of the day so um i'm excited dana's excited and Happy New Year to y'all, and I I hope y'all are really holding on to y'all to y'all seat in this roller coaster ride that we about to go on in twenty twenty one because it's about to be late. Hold on to the masses on. <laughs> <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh my gosh, we will be back next week. Send us your fuck you. Send them in. Call your friend. Tell us to the men. Tell your friend to write up something in the text message and send it over to us. Do whatever the fuck. Send your t- send your fuck yous. That's that's what we want from y'all. And be this Friday our first clubhouse happy hour. This Friday at six o'clock. Be yes. there. Follow us on Clubhouse. Be there or be a triangle. Bye, y'all. Bye.